Hello, welcome to Get My Basket, the podcast that helps you put your DC brand in more people's baskets. My name is Ollie. I'm the founder of 303. And I'm Jamie, the MD at 303. And in this podcast and in our newsletter, you can expect to see brands that we're loving, ads that are working super well, and much, much more. So to make sure you don't miss out, please make sure you subscribe on both audio and video platforms and head over to 303.london to sign up to our newsletter. And we hope you enjoy the episode. How are you? What's wrong with your foot? It's damaged. I'm How's under. I'm, go, I've, I'm going about life with no crutches and no diagnosis. Did you drive 16 hours with a broken foot? No, no. I think you did. Yeah, I did. Cruise control. Why didn't you tell Innit. me? Why didn't you tell me about that before you left? I thought you were going to flat <laughs> and come and collect me from France. Jamie, you just went, went away the last couple of weeks ago and he literally sent me a message when you back. It's like, I've hurt my foot because your girlfriend put something on Instagram where it like saw so you hobbling. I was like, what have you done? Mm. And then you were like, I didn't tell you on my mum because you would have shouted at me. <laughs> Neither me or quite, Jane. It was quite the, the drive. Was it fun? It was a really good drive actually. Yeah, it was very good. How did you drive back in the new Defender? Yep. How did you find that? Unbelievable car. Really? Well, speaking of cars, you got a new car. Mm? It's fun. An old car. An old car. You've got a 1969 Porsche 912. Mm. But it's a bit of a Frankenstein because there's other things inside of it. Yeah. Deadly. It's loud. Yeah. You enjoy it? Arthritis generative. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite the experience, to be honest. Um, one thing I wanted to pick up on is last week we were speaking about the Swatch collab with Amiga. You'll notice I'm not wearing it. <laughs> You'll notice that neither am I. Uh, it went badly wrong. Did it. Okay, so let's, like, let's not spend too much time here, but give me your Mimi two gets, cents. Mimi gets annoyed when we dwell on F1 and... Irrelevant collaboration. Yeah, she I'm also not allowed to drink. My, my, I was drinking my plastic cup last week and she's banned my plastic cup. So I have no libations. Malarismal. Um My two cents are, well, I actually went to the Swatch store on the Saturday morning. Not Wait, where did you one. go? Can't, you went, can't, I was in I was Scotland, on, wasn't I? I was on Carnaby Street. Yeah. Um, I was just walking through. Um, or hobbling through, it should be, should be noted. Yep. Um, and it was just madness. Tens of policemen, loads of unsavory characters let's say yeah um and very very few people getting watches mm. there was just signs all over the shop saying the watch is not limited chill out basically. well i heard um the one on oxford street only had 270 units really um, that was that. going on i mean like look i i really like the watch like i think it's cool i think the collab's really cool i like the saturn and jupiter they're my two favorites and for the price i'd probably get it and i'd wear it on the beach or i'd wear it around the office or like yeah like i'm a w- bit of a watch nerd so i enjoy what it's about i think what it turned into is just like a load of flippers and people who aren't and there's nothing wrong with not being a watch person because it's a great entry level watch like yeah. if you want a fancy watch you could have gone and get one got one of those and you you know you're, you're on the journey you're on the ladder you know yeah but I just think Swatch absolutely fucked it, to be honest. I, Do you I, think? Yeah, I just... I don't think it was Swatch. I felt, I felt really sorry for... Like you can't... It's. I think it's irresponsible to release something like that that's created loads of hype and not be able to deliver on it. Supreme are amazing at it. They, mm. If something gets dropped or something happens, they're used to dealing with that level of hype fair... But equally, they I, actually, I, I, just I don't felt sorry for the store staff, mate. Yeah, the I know, people I inside that I, I agree with all that, but I do not think they could have possibly forecasted what happened to have happened. Sure, but like, they, they didn't have any crowd control at any of the stores in London. They, they didn't, didn't, no, like, no, no, no. Like, like that in place. Well, they did quite quickly, to be fair, because I was there only like an hour and a bit after opening, and yeah. it was like, it was fair. fully, fully like locked in. But lockdown. Lockdown. It was literally locked down. But I think the thing that's interesting, and why I'm also like not that obsessive over the watch, is it feels like a little bit of a like, 
it's slightly in of a, of a like inauthentic collab for me. Like it's quartz, it's made of plastic, glorified plastic, yeah. and it's not like it's not like a watch lovers watch collab particularly, other than mm. the two brands collaborating. Like Swatch do loads of stuff where they've got really cool movements and stuff, getting geeky with it. Yeah. But that clearly doesn't drive the the level of hype. Mm. It does. It drives watch lovers hype. But what that did was just attract a crowd of flippers who want to just come in and say. Yeah. I'll spend 270 quid on a watch and then get rid of it for some people are asking for thousands of pounds for them. I mean, there was the, there's one of the, um, what's the red and white one? Mars. There's Mars ones up for like 8K. But the, I think they are actually selling though for small thousands. They are, yeah. I, if you go on eBay and then go on the sold tab of eBay, you can you can see loads of them there. But, Prono 24, they're all reserved. Anyone yeah. that's under five grand is reserved basically. I just think... From my perspective, Swatch have led the release. It's in Swatch stores. It's not on Amiga stores. You know, if it was at Watches of Switzerland, for example, they would have had security. It would be done properly. Yeah. I think Swatch just were inconsiderate. They didn't think about what it was going to be. Like, it's a huge collab. It's a big deal for Amiga to, and them to collab. And, like, you could tell from the... It was dropped on a Wednesday night. It was showcased on a Thursday, Friday, and apparently people were already trying to nick them from stores on that Thursday, Friday, mm. because they were like... You know, there's loads of watch thefts in London. They're trying to take them out of the store windows and all that kind of stuff, according to Twitter. But um, Swatch just didn't go, oh, do you know what? We'll tell people it's not limited on public forums. They told people like three hours after it happened. After like the, it, yeah, that, the store opened. I think the they, first time anyone saw like official announcement of it not being limited was they literally just printed, obviously in the stores, they'd printed off things saying yeah. watches are not limited. Yeah. <laughs> like chill out. Basically. But like you can't, I just think they didn't measure the hype and I think they've left a massive sour taste in the mouth for people maybe like us. I still want one, but... I'll still I'm, buy one. I'm, yeah, I'll so buy one, but I'll probably buy one in six months or I'll buy one in a month's time or something <laughs> like that where like no one really cares about it and it's forgotten about. From a noise standpoint, I mean, any publicity being yeah, good publicity for, for, the sure. old, for how the old saying goes, it was probably the loudest watch release ever. I mean, yeah. It was... Yeah, I mean... It's like, in terms of, like, sheer eyeballs, impressions on the internet... I think it would be it the, was across. the biggest, like, mass market availability piece. It's like, I think things like the Tiffany Patek and stuff are huge, but I know what you mean. I like, bet Tiffany Patek didn't get as many impressions as, as Moonswatch. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. It, like, it, might, mass it might be market, up there, yeah. but those are probably the two biggest ever. Yeah. And they've be. happened in the last three months. Mm. So I think like watches and streetwear have always been fairly like linked together, but Supreme's probably a good example. Yeah. Like Supreme gets humongous eyeballs every time it touches anything. Palace skateboards, I think we use as another example. Yeah. Do every single time they release as well. Mm. There's a few brands that get it like Trapstar did a um, pop up in Soho the other weekend and that was just madness as yeah. well. Like so there are definite brands that can achieve that, but typically they're at a price point where people is is prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Which is why I think it, obviously they didn't use the well, Omega like stores, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I just think if you're gonna do a release like that, you need to understand if it's gonna be huge, where it's gonna be, and like Make it fair. Like I, mm. I just think a release like that should be online. Like it's just especially with like the, COVID and police time and all these things that yeah. I do think are important still. Like the police waiting outside a swatch store. There was like ten police outside there, right? Just outside Carnaby. Yeah. Just just outside there stores. in London, where there's more than enough going on inside that city because they got their release wrong. That's that's the way I look at it, and I just think it's stupid mm. from Swatch. They're a huge business. They should understand how it works and and like gauge the response. Yeah. Like. When we, if we do a new client release or we do something that's quite large, you can automatically engage how big that is. 
You know what I mean? You can you can see from the initial drop. But like, if you typed an Amiga on Thursday morning, there was an article in every major publication: GQ, Gents Journal, um, Houdinki, like Google even, Trends is quite funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and I and I think what Swatch didn't go is go. Actually, this is quite big. Should we maybe one make sure our staff are looked after during mm. a crazy weekend because they're probably not paid the biggest bucks in the world working at Swatch. It's, you know, store management position. It's probably a good role, but it's not, you're not working Watch in Switzerland or anything like that. So you're, you know, they're going through it. And it's quite traumatizing to stand in a store. I, w- I used to work in retail back in day. And when, like, not that we did any big drops, but like, it's quite traumatizing when something's happening outside yeah, the window. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you we'd have fights or whatever it might be. I worked on German Street in town, just down the road from Carnaby Street. But when you're stood in a window and you can't really leave and you're, trying to do your job and there's stuff happening outside mm. i remember being about like this is a bit dodge imagine the sure amount of people there was a lot of people in like balaclavas and all that kind of stuff that like the, the store staff just had no support with until the police turned up and then mm. they got 10 police officers there for the whole day and they were there i think for sunday because i think some people were trying to come back in on the sunday yeah. hoping that they would be like oh just come back tomorrow type thing yeah. um but yeah i think it's uh don't wanna, don't waste too much time talking about it but Shame that it went wrong. I still want one, but I do think that there's easy lessons to learn there for some big brands. Good for Swatch and Omega, I think, still. Yeah, for sure. Um, Feels hot. Oh, we might do a special episode on some of the watches that have been dropped recently. Watches and Vonders. Yes. Um, ah, the man who scares the pigeons is outside. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Topic of conversation today. Seb's going to be fuming. Seb's going to be fuming. I'm banging the table. Sorry, Seb. Um, I think main topic of conversation today in our newsletter, which if you're not subscribed to, head over to 303.london, subscribe to the newsletter, fresh in your inbox every Friday afternoon. Delicious, good, stunning information. Approved. (laughs) Approved. Certified. Um, Fonts, branding. I want to go into it a little bit more because I feel that it's an area that we personally have overlooked a lot from a font perspective and a brand perspective, but also is quite an interesting area for D to C brands to really think about where they're going with it. And we've got some good examples. Before we do that, What's Hot of the Week is a brand that I think a lot of people now know about, but Lick. Mm. I think the reason why we chose Lick is because they nailed the branding and fonts from day one, right? When was the first time you saw Lick and why did, you, why did it stand out to you? Sorry, context. Lick is um, a paint brand, so you home, I think it, I think, think they'd probably call themselves home decoration now. They're, they're, home deco. They're going, yeah, further further out. Um, I saw them super early because the guy who founded it, Lucas, um, went to my school, so I came across it through LinkedIn through a friend. Nice. Who I was at school with. So seen it. I think it's been around for just two years, mm. um, only just. So I think I saw it quite early, and quite clearly from the the VC levels of interest it was yeah. it was always off cuz they did they launch pre or post covid or just before just before just before yeah. like just, just before everyone went and painted all their houses Correct. so like so like launch. they've definitely been a beneficiary of time but i mean like they i think they'd have won at any point like there's been a big investment in your home environment yeah. um generally like that trend's been around for a fair amount of time and mm. they've definitely just jumped on that mm. but I think the the paint industry is quite interesting because it's yeah. like you've either got quite like boring commercial like Dulux and lesser yeah like kind of a, at one end of the spectrum and then you've got like it li- was it little green whatever it is and Farron Ball and those sorts of guys which are fu- like super expensive yeah um 
I made the mistake of thinking, oh, yeah, let's do Fire Emblem. And my house is literally a shoebox. And it was... Slipper satin is on my walls. It's, it's aggressively expensive. I think I've got slipper satin and, like, dinosaur's breath or something. Like Oxford, Oxford stone is my favoured variant. But actually, probably should have done that with Lick. Because DTC model. Yeah. So they don't have... Like, Fire Emblem have pretty smart shops and virtually every single... Yeah like a key sort of interior the area. Mm-hmm. There's like three within a 10 minute drive of here. Yeah. Um, so obviously they don't have all the frontage costs and the branding and everything is just so much more fun. I think their target market's what is probably like first homeowner mm-hmm. up to 35, 40. For target age group. Like, yeah. I, I'd say I think, 25 to 40. Yeah. I mean, I actually think they're going pretty broad because I, I mean, what, what really stood out for me with Lick was like the branding because at the end of the day when you're your first home time home buyer or like i own my own flat and like i'm not going to spend an absolute fortune on it I'm, it's not my forever home or anything like that mm. but paint for me paint is paint like i don't really care about the quality i just care about the color and also probably what stands out to me so to, in order to market a product like paint where you can't exactly like you know hang it out or anything like that it's it's you know we'll send out samples or ev- even taking photos of the color there's filters, there's, you know, color alterations, there's editing, all those things. And I think what Lick really thought about from a D2C perspective is actually, if the product looks appealing, the packaging, how it feels, the branding, the fonts, all those aspects, that's going to engage people enough to spend a little bit of time to investigate. Mm. You know, their website does a great job at finding the right color. Um, I think you can get swatches and all that kind of things, which is great. But I think what drew me in, first of all, is like these really cool vintage-looking tins that look tepid, they look different from the market, and that big, fat lick on the side of it, and also a fucking awesome name, like a really nice name that stands out. Licker paint. And I think that's why I love them as a brand, and I know they are growing massively. If you don't know about them, get to know, because I think they've got a really interesting model and, mm. and product. But I think they're a really good example of from a D to B, D to D to B, goodness me, D to C perspective. No matter what the product is, if it's a product that's hard for people to understand through a screen, which I would say paint is, in my opinion, I think it's very difficult for people to get. Very rarely looks colors. the same on screen to on wall. I mean, all, I mean, our team could probably match it, but like they would spend a good time getting that mm. right. They've gone down the route of right. What makes the initial offering so appealing? Yeah. It's it's how it looks and feels and everything about it. Equally, I think the ads are just brilliant. The ads it, are great. yeah, head over to our library to have a look at. I think Lick UK. They're, um, the way that they show the paint in context is also smart. That's yeah. why I think the target market is probably what I thought it would be. Yeah, is that the room is very much that of something that like twenty five to yeah. thirty five year olds probably aspire to having. Yeah, is definitely not what like. Our parents are probably white no, or whatever. No, like, but, um, but yeah, I think they've got a very solid combination of they've really focused on what people want in that age group, which is great colours. Yeah. They've got awesome colours and then the branding's absolutely mega. So yeah, yeah. Well done, no, Lick. Very, very well done. And I think um that leads us nicely on to what makes it appealing from a brand perspective. So fonts. I, I'm saying fonts because I don't want to go into logos, but we're obviously going to be some, there's going to be some cross-referencing here. Lots of logos are just fonts now, aren't they? They are. So I think um, the biggest re- revelation I think in all of this is that when you start a D2C brand, a lot of people go, like when you think of your name or your brand, so starting from the foundations up, they go to that design phase of like, I'm going to build a logo. And I think most people head over to like dafont.com or adobe fonts or whatever it might be find a font 
type out on a Photoshop thing, put it in a different color, and that's the logo. And I think the biggest problem that I see in the DTC space is that's where people aren't really developing the brands as much as they could do, right? Mm. Um, in developing branding, it's obviously something that we do at 303 quite a bit. Um, and you obviously can see it throughout different forms of industry and whatever that might be. But from a D to C perspective, mm. kind term, how important is nailing the right branding? But also, when I say fonts, I mean the synergy across the website, across everything you're doing is all connected. How important is that from a conversion perspective? Very. Good. Very important. Good job. Good job we're talking about You're it. Lovely. I think the, the way that we always talk about it is imagine you had a shop. Yeah. A physical shop because it's always easier for people to imagine more, something more tangible, I guess, in the real world. And if you had paint licking up, sort of falling off the front, if your door was off its hinges, mm. or even if it just looked very different from one side to the other, yeah. you'd probably be alienated and bugger yeah. off and not spend money there. Yeah. So to the same extent... Your website, your socials, your emails, whatever, like all of your touch points, even though they're less tangible, is is that you want to give the same impression yeah. to the end user. Um, and so long as you do that in a really cohesive way, mm. conversion rate tends to be good. Mm. Um, I think font is something that, like, our, the, you know, Joe Public probably doesn't go like, oh, lovely font in the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. But like the overall brand feel would be yeah. felt and it's a yeah. bit more of a subliminal thing. Like fonts are, if you go for a really serify font, mm. you're like, which is like curvaceous and like yeah. quite flair, you're probably going to either be going something that's like quite luxury ended or something that's quite traditional and like, yeah. you know, heritage steeped yeah. um, or whatever. If you go for something super minimal, you know, for, for reference, like the Balenciagas of the world, like there's a huge mm. trend, especially in luxury, of just like stripping everything out, monochrome, yeah. super basic fonts. Because that's um, really happening now, right? Yeah. I think the first thing you said was quite interesting about like the decision-making process in some mm. way. Because Helvetica, which is a, a font we speak about in the newsletter, when you log on to Google or you go on to Apple, it is the font that you work with straight away. But it's also, and I've got, I've got a photo here, which I'll, um, which I'll show you but is also in our newsletter and it is over on the blog. Um, but Helvetica is used, the, the same font is used by, these are just a couple of the brands, BMW, Jeep, GM, Motorola, Oral-B, Toyota, Harley-Davidson, Panasonic, Lufthansa. That's just a handful of brands. That Automotive are all, font. Very. Handful of brands that are all using the same sort of font, mm -hmm. but they all feel very, very different. So I guess what we're saying is that, especially in the development, mm it's not just about typing out a font from a logo perspective and then just letting that sit. No. And I think a lot of people are doing that because they're being a bit lazy with it. Yeah. There's a lot more development needs to go into it, right? For sure, yeah. I think we deliberated over ours for ages, didn't we? Ages. But right. even like the way we use our fonts, and the like we have a couple of different ones. We use a, a font called Simplon, which has got variations on mono and, and normal and all that kind of thing. But I think from D2C brands, there are a few people that are doing it really, really nicely. And what they're doing is they're taking a font as a starting place and they're developing it out for the right reasons. One of those is Tony's, which is, a, I think, you know, you're a big fan of Tony's, aren't you? But the branding, I think everyone goes, oh, the branding's so nice because like, the colors are cool and the logo looks epic. But I think that what they've done really well, and obviously it's paid off, is that everything is aligned. 
Mm. Everything is the same. They've started a bit of a trend as well, which is that like kind of psychedelic bubble writing. Well, yeah, because like Misfits has that now as well. Which Misfits is a great has that. Love. Mob Kitchen's just on a huge overhaul, which is yeah. like everything towards that. Weirdly, the, the one that really like actually didn't sit with me, which is quite a good example, is on the running shoes. Yes, they've just started using that. Really, and it's like, and maybe they've done it deliberately to like be a bit like shocking. Yeah, but their ads it says something like "get out of your comfort zone" in this like really like psychedelic kind yeah. of like melt effect bubble writing. Yeah, looks super weird, and on is like Swiss. Yeah, so clean. Like Roger Federer is their main brand ambassador. Like it's so like. It's very nice. It's, it's very like very like Nike. It type is the stuff. least offensive brand in the mm. world, probably. The, the shoes look pretty wacky, but otherwise, yeah. like it's so like simple, yeah. clean, stripped back, whatever. And then they've got this this bubble rising, which I was like, "What the hell is that? Is that yeah, actually yeah, on?" Yeah. Like quite quite interesting as an example. But like that Tony's trend, mm. it's like virtually everyone has some like wacky yeah. variant now. It's like it's quite often people use it for their blog or something, mm. where it's like a fun yeah, sort of no, completely. They do second some, child yeah. or whatever. It's, it's this sort of like retro-y kind of like pop party mm. type thing. Do you um do you think there are a lot of brands in like D2C just generally across multiple industries that are so focused on like product, it, the product itself and possibly some packaging stuff, they're not thinking about like how much time needs to go into brand development. And what I mean by brand development is like everything from a logo to like how we use, because we've done a few brand redesigns and they've been very successful mm. um, in terms of the initial response to them and how we've developed them out. But do, do you think that a lot of brands just neglect it and they just don't think, oh, they don't care what font we use think, on the yeah. product descriptions and that kind of stuff? I think people really understate the level of importance that it has. Like yeah. whenever we're, like luxury is a good example just because it's such an obvious like importance like if you're trying to sell something that's you know hundreds or even thousands of pounds yeah. and there is like basic looking font next to nice looking font or yes. something that doesn't match up or just crap font like there is such a thing as just crap font like yeah. if you had Arial all over Burberry's website you'd think it looked like absolute nonsense like yeah. you wouldn't you it wouldn't look right so I think people underestimate the level of importance that it has in the overall kind of I guess I was about to say consumer experience. I think that's probably a little bit like, I don't know, a little bit off the wall and abstract to say that like it, it, it plays it into like, it. It does play into yeah. it. But I think like just very basically, mm. like uh, as again, someone who's not like in design or like in creative or whatever, mm. you would, you would like, it'd be an interesting thing for us to do to translate a load of websites into like just crap fonts. Like you Times would, New Roman for like mclaren's website yeah everyone would be like what what's going on it would, so, it would look so like a loading similar, error isn't it yeah. yeah and i think that's kind of my thought process is that i think there are a lot of brands that are growing at an amazing rate and they don't care about this mm. and my point is that you will care about it because actually those subliminal psychological all that kind of stuff it's like signals it is it's that feeling you get when you look on sites and you go actually if you got like even our website right now i know there are two pieces of the site that are the wrong font we're trying to get them sorted at the moment, but like, it's just when you go on or go on any site and you go, it doesn't feel connected. It doesn't feel yeah. like the same brand. And I think a lot of the time people are messing around with logos and colors and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I think it's just make sure everything's like, the same. I think it's all sort of nods to a price point, though as well. Yeah. Like you start to feel like you should expect a certain level of price. I've got a weird example. I went for dinner the other week at the Chilton Firehouse. Yeah, which is a nice restaurant full of unsavory characters i've used that twice but let's let's say unsavory characters um but they're like when you go to the loo in the chilton firehouse yeah the urinals have ice 
in them. Yeah. Like loads yeah, of like yeah. thousands of ice cubes. Yeah. That like there's like ridiculous Where candles are you burning. Going with this? There's like ridiculous ridiculous candles burning. <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of dinner, like obviously the food's good, but like food's always good in London now, like otherwise the restaurant dies. Yeah. And you have but, your you, ice but like the overall out. experience is so like luxurious feeling. Yeah. Like everything's just perfect. Like the servers are all like perfectly dressed, like perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. like the toilets, like the it's reason, I'm using, field, the reason right? I'm using the toilets is no, it's like rare you go for dinner and you go, God, quality toilets. Yeah. But yeah. like the Chilton Fire House, you would be like, good, good lose. So like, yeah, lovely ice cubes going on, <laughs> like delicious. But like that as an example of like subliminal yeah. kind of like, like you're primed for the expense. Mm. By the same token, if you had a lousy logo, you know, We've we've worked with some brands that have like horrendous like yellows and bright blues and yeah. stuff. Very hard to premiumize. Like people yeah. just don't associate those colours with being in any way premium. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're not trying to be premium, but you're definitely trying to have a, a sort of Well, you're trying well, you're trying to resonate with the right people, right? Yeah, and I think that's exactly. the thing. Like I think I feel that there are so many brands that need to go back over the website and go, is that the font that connects everything together? Because it is a connector. It's, mm. If you think about how much people see a colour versus a font, I would say a font is 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 more of. It's a bit like that question that everyone keeps asking. Are there more wheels in the world or are there more doors in the world? I've tried to work it out and I'm still... Is it still I think it's doors. Advent calendars apparently don't count. It's a door. Well, How's that not a thing? Anyway, so I, I got too deep into it, and someone was like, "No, I have other colours." But on a site, there is there's a, especially you know D to C sites where there's product descriptions, there's reviews, there's product information, there's blogs, there's all this stuff. If if the font doesn't bring everything together, you end up with a pretty crap site, and everything doesn't feel nice, and it doesn't feel like, "Oh, right, this this time spent here." So, I guess it's not it's not calling for a rebrand here. We're calling for. A bit of a thought. bit of attention, a bit of just the process, and I'd test almost, it. I, I'd call for thought and yeah. like actually really think about like I don't want to think of it as like an opportunity. I don't think font is going to be like oh god, that's such a nice font. I'm definitely going to shop with them, but it is definitely an opportunity whereby font wouldn't like yeah. get them over the line. It could be something that alienates them. Yeah. So that's something. My other thing would be to call for a bit of differentiation. There is now like D to C aesthetic. Yeah on websites, on socials, like the graphics all look the bloody same. Yeah. There's a lot of like similarities. Mm. So break the mold and do something a bit different. Well, you just signed off perfectly. Break the mold and do something different. Is that the Which lesson for today? Break the mold, I think might be trademarked. So let's not tell Who that. is that? Tresemme? No. No, break the mold is like a men's brand, isn't it? Uh, it's is hair it? products. Yeah, something like that. It's head and shoulders. No, it's not. It's when Raheem Sterling's putting it through his hair and he's like, break the mold. No, it's definitely like hair wax. Is it? I think so. Who knows? Anyway, to be quite useful. Head over to the blog, 303.london. There's a full breakdown of all this stuff. There's also some quite cool imagery and infographics that show you how a lot of things have developed over the years and how you can make the most of it. Jimmy, as always, thanks for joining. Hope you get a better leg soon. Thanks, lad. Get well soon, okay? Crutching. Mm. Thanks very much. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on audio or if you're watching us on YouTube. Equally, like I say, head over to 303.london, sign up to the newsletter. It'll be in your inbox at three minutes past three every Friday, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.